Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for January 9th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook. I'm out there. I'm on every flipping social media thing you can find. Giving my two cents on sports and only sports. I'm here for you guys' entertainment. Hopefully to make some money. So let's dive right into it and avoid talk about what's going on in the real world and try to give you guys some entertainment. So how is everybody doing? Can we believe what a big day of sports it is? We have a loaded college basketball slate. If that wasn't enough, loaded horse race slate. If that wasn't enough, we got NBA. If that wasn't enough, we have three, count them, three NFL games. And I cannot wait for this action. I am locked. I am loaded. Plays have been sent to my guys. We have college basketball plays. We have horse racing plays. And as always, you can find the horse racing plays free at etof21sports underscore horse underscore racing on Instagram. And we have NFL plays. And the DFS write down has been sent out. So life is good. I honestly, I have no complaints. I was talking with my old man the other day and... My biggest worry right now in life is, as some of you guys may know, I'm dating this girl. God only knows how she's able to get used to my crazy lifestyle and accept my crazy lifestyle. But I found out that Valentine's Day is the same day as the Daytona 500. That is my biggest worry right now. So life is pretty good right now for the kid. So... You know, we had a winning day this week so far. I think, what are we, we had a 10-game winning streak in basketball. We lost our two NBA plays last night. I think we've won six in a row in college hoops. We have a full slocket of college hoops today. So, you know, I'm stuff's going good. Like, no complaints starting off with the new year. The one negative, though, is I'm finding out being in this heavy relationship is when the girl does something, that means I'm kind of roped into something. So she started this 75 day hard thing and it sucks and it's not so much that the working out I'm a workout fiend I could I mean I did the peloton this morning did yoga this morning and then later on today I'm going to probably do some resistance band stuff when I'm watching the NFL games so the working out stuff that's fine the eating I mean hey I used to play a pretty high level of sports way 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 back in the day so staying on diet and following a diet, you know what? That's nothing to me. The reading 10 pages of a non-fictional entrepreneurial book, that's nothing to me. Taking a five-minute cold shower, that's nothing. I take an ice bath pretty much every day because my body is like a Ferrari. The, you know, Ferrari's breaking down, so that's nothing to me. The big thing to me is the not drinking alcohol, which fucking sucks. Uh, we started this thing on Monday, and I will admit to you guys, sadly, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I did open up my bottle of wild turkey, didn't drink it, I just smelled it. So yeah, that is the struggle for me. 75 days of not having booze, and it fucking sucks, but that I'm sure I'll be able to get through it it's not really that big of a deal and i'm sure i'm making myself sound like a raging alcoholic which i am the furthest thing from 
But anyway, let's jump into it. You know, I had some questions and, you know, I'll go into that and then I'll talk about the uh, Raptors for a little bit. And then I will kind of give my predictions for the NFL, what I think is going to happen. And obviously there's a big thing between what you think is going to happen and in terms of betting. So let we'll, we'll dive into that. So fantasy football. Fantasy football in the playoffs is a little bit different when you're doing DV, D, daily fantasy. And what do I mean by that? I like slates where there's multiple games and I can get true value and find my value because I know that no one else is going to be grinding numbers as much as I am trying to find that underappreciated guy. Now, we have six games. Um, the stuff I sent to my guys was based on the six-game slate. I am not going to be playing these three-game slates because hypothetically, let's say you played the three-game slate today and you were on the... Let's say you figure... What, what game is the lowest total? The Seahawks-Rams. Let's say you thought the Seahawks-Rams totally avoided that game. Turnover luck, game blows out. Because you missed those pieces, you're out of the cash. So just by missing that game, you're out of the cash. But when you have a six-game slate or more games, you can have a bigger margin of error. So that's why I like the six-game slates and the bigger slates. So that's why we did the two-game slate. I may muss around and just give a Sunday one out to my guys. But the bigger slates, I have my I have a more margin of error and... I can make up if a game kind of gets off script. Also, it's different because now since the slates are smaller, since six games, you can stack. Most everyone knows what I do, who's part of my team. I send out four players that we build around. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and generally a tight end. So what I'll do is when I send out a wide receiver, uh, not, excuse me, not a wide receiver, a quarterback, Anyone on that team. So let's say the Lions are playing. Let's say I sent out Matt Stafford. So basically anyone on that team, I wouldn't send out because by playing Stafford, I would get the Marvin Jones yards, the TJ Hawkinson yards, Galladay if he was healthy, Swift, anybody. I would get all their receiving yards. But in a six-game slate, a smaller slate, um, I'm stacking, and which is something I normally don't do. So I will have... a a wide receiver and a quarterback, a tight end and a quarterback. Wide receivers or running backs from the same team. Where if I feel the game is going to uptick out, I will put those in. Because what I do is I have a spreadsheet, a formula, where I get percentages from every guy's. And my percentages is based on what those guys generally produce. And then also what the team they're playing against puts out. So I have that stuff. And then I kind of use my eyes and I go over their last four games. So through that, I'm able to put forth my point projection for them. And that's where I based my rankings. And my rankings, they may change a little bit if I see something or value something with my eyes. So I'm using my eyes and historical data meaning the last four games and the yearly average, to form stuff. So that's kind of how I put together my fantasy football stuff. 
But you guys also have to remember the playoffs are a completely different animal. Like I said, in the Gino Bacala playoffs, the way a team is going to call a game in week 15, 16, 12, whatever, versus how they're going to call it in a one or done situation is completely, completely different. And you guys have to be aware of that. A team like the Titans or Ravens, Titans are a perfect example. Rabel knows how bad their defense is. And he's going to limit the exposure that defensive has. So he's going to be grounding and pounding and milking the clock more than normal. So you have to kind of put that into consideration. Also, now I'll use this as an example because the Chiefs obviously aren't playing. When people say the Chiefs, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, blah, 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 blah. Look how many touchdowns Damian Williams had last year for the Chiefs. The Chiefs ran the ball very efficiently last year. And I really think that they are going to do the same this year. And that's why next week, Edward Solaire, he'll maybe in one of the groups of four people that I build around. That just shows like stuff can change. In the regular season, I hated Edward Solaire. Hated him. But with how the Chiefs ran their offense last year and what my eyes saw with that puts value on him going into next week. Now, I will, of course, I'll have to kind of look on who, who they're playing. Are they playing the Ravens, the Colts, Steelers, whoever? I'm going to have to, Bills, whoever. I'm going to have to look at that on the week-to-week basis. But Edward Solaire, based on historical data and what my eyes saw last year, immediately goes up in what I'm trying to do. Now, I'm going to have Bully the Line. He's going to be coming on. Monday's episode, and him and I are going to be doing an NHL preview, talking NHL, betting NHL, teams we like, teams we don't like, the whole nine yards. So I'm not really going to dive into that now. But I did have one of the people that follow me and he is part of the crew reach out to me about betting NHL. And his question was, with NHL games being back-to-back this season, how is that going to change, if it's going to change, your betting strategy moving forward and he kind of asked if i'm doing the same thing with college basketball well here's the thing college basketball the way i cap other sports i mean there's a lot of variances so let, let me dive into the college basketball thing the main thing with college basketball is i'm looking at situational spots meaning team has a letdown team just had a big win stuff like that i'm looking at those situational spots also, I'm looking at, is there value? What is going on in the betting market? So if team A gets their ass kicked by team B, okay, case in point, perfect case in point. Now, granted, this is a different situation. It's the NBA. So there is that game where the Bucks just manhandled the Heat, just absolutely destroyed them, one by one, like what, 30, 40 points, whatever. The game was so bad that TNT left the broadcast. The next game, those two games played, same arena and everything. And I didn't bet on it because I missed out on the line value. But the line started out, it opened up at heat, you know, getting six and a half, and immediately it dropped down. So in that situation where a team is being, quote unquote, undervalued in a back-to-back situation... Because of the game before, yeah, I'll look to bet that in the college basketball. 
But for the most part, I've been avoiding this back-to-back college basketball stuff just because it's all relatively new and I can't find the true situational spots that I look for. Also, another big thing with college basketball is now I have so many Twitter handles. I have a Twitter handle for NFL beat writers. Now I have a Twitter handle for college basketball writers. And I just want to be up to date on COVID and all this stuff, who's practicing, who's not practicing, because that's a that's a telltale sign. Capping this year in college sports has been insane and has given me many of headaches. I mean, I think, what's my ROI? It's 20, plus 20U, I believe, in college basketball. All spread, betting spreadsheets can be found on etof21sports21.com. And it's been, it's been a struggle trying to keep up with all the COVID news. So I haven't really bet any of the conferences that have the back-to-back games, but that's kind of my mindset in terms of college basketball. In terms of hockey, now, hockey, hockey, when I bet hockey, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't bet hockey after the All-Star game. Same thing with the NBA. Why? Because after the NBA and the All-Star game, that's when certain teams start mailing it in. And I just don't want to be a part of that, and I don't want to be chasing. So the volume of my betting goes down dramatically. Like, I'm not going to take... Was a team I bet on the Pistons this year once when they're playing the Hawks in a good situation. I'm not going to bet on the Pistons after freaking the NBA All Star game just because those guys are in tank mode and shutting it down, getting ready for Cancun. And it's the same thing with NHL. I'm not going to bet on a lower tier team after the NHL All Star break just because. That I find value in the number. I won't do that. So that's my first thing with the NHL. The second thing with the NHL is you have to find those situational spots like road trips, end of the road trips, homestand, like what teams coming up, what teams I just played. That's one, another thing I look at. Home and road splits. That is big just because, but now with no crowd, I have to watch a little bit of the NHL to kind of get a feel about is the home and road really going to be that big of an advantage? Probably not, let's be honest. So I kind of I have to kind of get a little historical data on that. And then I'm going to be looking at goalies and what they do, their averages, and stuff like that. So all that stuff goes into the NHL. In terms of the back-to-back stuff, and I know I'm rambling, I'm probably not going to answer the question, I won't be, it won't, really change that much i'm still going to look at my historic data and then if a team gets blown out and then they play the next game i'll look to get back in them just because the line will be inflated so that's going to kind of be that is going to be my strategy for the nhl so if team so let's say the kings play the red wings kings destroy them 6-1-7-1 whatever the following game i'll be on the red wings I'll look for situational spots. I'll look for playoff revenge spots. And then I also kind of find the follow the betting market. I know some people are against that. But one of the things I like to do in the NHL is I do like to fade the public. So I'll kind of watch to see where the money is going. And that really has zero effect on the back-to-back stuff. So I'm really not – the back-to-back stuff, it really won't change the way that I necessarily cap stuff because I do, like I said, look – for value in the line if a team is being undervalued and look for the situational spot and fade the betting market. So in the terms of the NHL, 
it's really not going to have any effect. And if you guys have any questions about how I bet bet and do stuff like that, feel free to let to shoot a email in. I'll be more than happy to help out and do that stuff. Now, another thing I want to talk about is the Raptors. I was high on the Raptors. I really thought they were going to be better than they were this year. The Raptors, as of today, are two and six. Two and six. They did win their last game 144 to 123 over the Kings. But what's going on with the Raptors? I really thought they were going to be a better team, like I was saying. So I did a little investigating and crazy Eric thoughts. I really think playing in the bubble, because they're basically playing in the bubble. They're down in Tampa right now, playing in Tampa, because Toronto has the travel restrictions. And a lot of the guys, from what I've read and looked online, a lot of their families aren't there. So they're away from their family life. Now, we as fans, betters, fantasy football players, fantasy sports players, excuse me, we have a tendency to forget that these guys are humans just like us. And they miss their families just like we would. And I really think that's having an effect. People are missing their families. So I really think that is having a effect on them. Another thing is their offensive identity. Like this team is really struggling offensively. The game against the Celtics, and we had the Raptors that game. Me and my guys, we had the Raptors. They started off the game shooting threes. Then they drove to the basket then they went back to shooting threes and then they went back to driving the basket there's no flow no offensive identity nothing at all nothing at all and you look at games they played it basically every game they've had a 10 point lead and they're blowing those 10 point leads they're only averaging 21 points in the fourth quarter so like they're not able to close out games Pacom Siakam has not been good this year. Let's call a spade. He has not taken that step, and he's not been that game changer that everyone thought he thought he was going to be. And defensively, they've been a nightmare. They were allowing 42%, 42%, three-year-old goal shooting. This season, up to 45. Last season, they're defending the three-point line at 33%. Now at three-pointers, people are shooting 38%. So their defense has dropped down. They're not as good defensively as they've been in years past. And also, back to the offensive, they're shooting 32% on open three-pointers. 32% on open three-pointers. That means no one's in the three-foot radius of you. And they're shooting 33%, 32%, excuse me. That's not going to cut it in the NBA. If you are open, you have to be able to knock down the shot. And lastly... This, last season, they got to the free throw line 24 times a game. 24 times a game. This season, only 14. So you're giving up more points because your defense isn't as good. You can't make a wide open three pointer, and you're getting 10 points less a game from the free throw line. That's what's going on with the Raptors. Now, will this right the strip? Maybe. Is Nur- We're going to find out if Nurse is as good as everyone thinks he is. And I do like Nurse, but there is something to be said about, hey, you know what? Maybe this guy got a a lucky championship because Leonard was there. Maybe he isn't this great coach everyone thought he is. And what are the the Raptors going to do with Lowry? 
If I'm a championship contender, Lowry is a piece I want. That guy, as I've said numerous times, he will pour gasoline on his body, on his body, and he will run through hell to get a victory. This guy's a pit bull. If you're a championship team, that's a dude you want. And the Raptors, if the slide continues, and there are some dudes I like in this NBA draft a lot more than the NBA draft that was earlier this, oh, sorry, last year. I forgot it was in January. But I really think there's some game-changing talent in that draft. Did the Raptors start selling off and start tanking? Just a thought. Just a thought. But this team has drastically, drastically underachieved. Now, lastly, the NFL playoffs are starting today. So for those who don't know, I'm usually in Vegas right now. I am usually in Vegas. This weekend is an insanely undervalued weekend to be in Vegas, that first wild card. And, you know, with the COVID, I couldn't go, sadly. And all my boys that usually go with me, you know, maybe next year, hopefully this COVID shit gets into the wraps and we can, you know, continue the tradition. But, yeah. Definitely missing out going to Vegas this year. In terms of the NFL playoffs, this is the way I look at it. In the NFC, I really think the NFL either wants Brady or Breeze to be there. And like I said in the Gino Bacala podcast, every fucking year the Saints have the best roster in the NFC. And arguably the league. And they always underachieve because fucking Sean Payton has this effectuation with Taysom Hill. And puts Hillen in situations he shouldn't be in and tries to outthink the room and gets too cute and something happens and they lose a game they shouldn't lose. And I really don't know if this year is going to be different or not, like I was saying when I was talking to Gino. But gun to my head, I think the Saints can come out of the of the uh, NFC. After that, whoever wins that game between the uh, Packers... And then either the Seahawks or the Rams. One of the one, one. If I had to rank my top three teams to come out, it would be in that order. And I'm not that high in the Bucks. I've been against the Bucks a, a lot all this year, and everyone knows my reason why. Um, I don't trust their offensive line. Vita Vera is gone, which hurts them stopping the run. And their D, DBs, you can beat them over the top. They have some injuries, so I really undervaluing this Bucks team in the playoffs. Um, in terms of the AFC. I mean, the Colts kind of get a bullshit draw. Well, not really a bullshit draw. They get a tough draw, you know. But I really think the Colts, because of their run game and their defense, when everyone is healthy, I think they can come out of the, the AFC. Of course, I think the Chiefs can come out of the AFC. I think the Ravens can come out of the AFC. And I think the Bills can come out of the AFC. So I I really feel one of those teams I just listed is going to win it out, win it from the AFC, NFC. I'm really down on. It would be cool. You know, because if Breeze wins it and then retires. But like I said, I just don't trust Sean Payne. As crazy as it sounds, I don't trust Sean Payne based on historically what he's done. Well, that's it for the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast today. Good luck with all your plays. Be sure to please tune in on Monday because you know what? On Monday, we have that very special guest, Bully the Line. We're going to be talking some NHL. I'll give my thoughts of the loaded wild card weekend until then stay safe be well and please have some fucking alcohol for me because your boy needs a glass